0: This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Bendy Mattresses. Ever wonder why a mattress has to be so damn flat? Well, Bendy is revolutionizing the mattress market with their new line of bendable, spreadable, foldable mattresses. That's right. Ever wanted to sleep with your spine in a total curve just to correct that spina bifida that's been creeping up on you since you were little? Or maybe you got rickets or polio. Or some sort of spinal deformity. Maybe you had your vertebrae punched out by uh, Joe Trujillano in uh, 87 at the softball riots. Bendy's here to help you with that, okay? So head on over to uh, www.bendymattress.gov brothership and enter the special co- promo code uh, COMOPRODE for 15% off of your Bendy mattress. Bendy mattress. Bend it. Beckham. And now on with the show Phone, yes You ever just Email Hit on a waitress Just because she has a cochlear implant
1: My social insurance number Cochlear implants are whack Preach, brother Can you imagine the first guy who was like If I shove this in your ear Now you'll be able to hear And then they did And the person was like
0: The first cochlear implant was actually an accident No, it wasn't It was Involved a soda straw and a ping pong paddle. No, that's not true.
1: That's true. It's not true. I, Dude, I studied cochlear implants in school, which I bet you didn't see coming. You thought, stupid old uneducated brother is not going to know what I'm talking about. C-O-C-H-L-E-A-R. Plants. I'm almost done.
0: You now the Conestoga College electrical program includes a course on cochlear implants, everybody. What a... And if you believe that, then I have news for you Donald Trump will get impeached. It's not gonna (laughs) happen. It's just not gonna happen. I don't understand why everybody thinks it's gonna happen. It's just he's not gonna get impeached. It's not gonna happen. No matter how badly some people want
1: it to. I just flew through that at a rate like I feel like I could have easily done something wrong.
0: Did you just impeach him? No.
1: I just paid the balance of my tuition. Oh, okay. I turn off all the like legal fees I don't need that, I don't need this uh, View my receipt Now I don't have to get kicked out of school
0: Well what a thrill What a thrilling ride It's already been a thrilling ride Jason's paying off his
1: college tuition
0: Hands off that Mordecai That's your college tuition
1: Well it was like $80 oh, that's So it wasn't really my whole thing The school cheaper and cheaper Yeah, I know, right? $83 for tuition is pretty good. Thank you, Green Party. Pretty good. Um, Okay, take a screenshot of that. My volume down button on my phone doesn't work most of the time now, so to take a screenshot, I have to, like, make sure it's working. That's crazy, dude. We're good. Okay. That's wild. Okay, let's start.
0: Okay, yeah, now that you're done doing Trivial Matters, can... Okay. I still feel like we need some sort of theme music to begin an episode. Like I almost, mm. I almost feel like we need real theme music that comes in and... That's not going to cut it. Okay, so before we get into this, uh, aside from paying off uh, crippling student debt and uh, learning about cochlear implants... Cochlear.
1: I learned about that in high school, not in college.
0: What uh, what have you been doing? What have you been enjoying?
1: Because I can tell you right now, for me, not, not all that much. I've been doing a lot of weird stuff. I went down a massive rabbit hole of uh, Scott the Woz. We need to watch one of these videos tonight before you leave. Scott the Woz is this YouTuber who makes all kinds of different videos about gaming and stuff like that, but different than a standard like gaming channel in that instead of let's plays or reviews they're all like video essays and and stuff like that so it'll be like a 20 minute long video essay on the nintendo ds where he talks about every hardware iteration and like the Mm -hmm. the climate that it was released into and things like that so i've been watching a lot of that nerd and then that got me on down the rabbit hole of uh nintendo ds so i have nerd. i have uh this is very lame cracked out at the nintendo ds been playing a lot of Advance wars which is a uh strategy game a turn-based strategy game all right okay well so there's that you've just cut our listenership at least in half oh well you can't cut one person in half without a big mess then other than that what i've been doing is not a whole lot. Stuff that we're going to talk about today in terms of film is about it. I have been playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I don't know if I talked about that. Just the paragon of like a blockbuster action game. It's like gorgeous. Do you mean the paradigm? It's a paragon of a great action game. Mm-hmm. That works. Like it's a example of that. It's a shining example of what a blockbuster action game should be. And it's not a game changer in any way but honestly I'm okay with that it's you gotta play it it's gorgeous it plays super well the set pieces are exciting the story is actually pretty good everything about it is just polished to a, a, a mirror sheen and I'm really enjoying my time with it but that's pretty much it I've, I've also started to read the book thief which we are probably going to do an episode on after talking about it for like a year <laughs> That's it, though. What about you? Um, I've been.
0: What have I been doing? Like, I've I've been writing a decent amount. I've been working on some new music, for my band Dual Tones, which is going to be pretty cool. Did I tell you what our our idea for a record is? No. Should I spoil it here? Nobody's is gonna it, care. Uh, uh, cor- so, Corin, we've been recording all of our albums all of our music so far which is a whopping four songs in uh, mono so i thought what if we record two um performances both in mono and then pan one hard left and one hard right oh and see like if we can play off ourselves like a dueling bands kind of thing (laughs) that would be weird so you got double the drums double the guitar Maybe double the voice. I don't know if we're going to do that
1: exactly. Or Is this going to be for Coronel? Yeah. Are you going to use that yeah. album art?
0: I think so. Nice. And we might not even do an entire album like that. I don't really know. But it's been really fun to kind of write with that in mind. So, I've um, been doing that. I know for a fact that I watched like a whole bunch of movies recently. But I, let me just hop onto Netflix here and see if I can just jog my memory as to what I... Because I watched a couple that I had on my... I knocked a couple off my watch later list. Every once in a while, if I want to have like a lazy day, I'll just do that. It feels kind of good to to thin out the... That's fair. The watch later list sometimes. Because I feel, I feel like most people have this problem where you just keep adding and adding and adding um more and more things to your watch later list. And... After, after a point it's just you know, oh yeah okay, so I watched uh, murder on the Orient Express. How was that? Um, it was it was perfectly entertaining. It's um, very lavishly I mean you can see or the kind of little preview thing here is playing on Netflix and uh, it's very lavishly done. The set is very, very good. Everybody's you know wig is very pristine or whatever their hairspray. Um, it's not gonna stay with me. And I think one of the main things that bothered me...
1: Hey, Willem Dafoe. Um,
0: yep, that's right. Uh, one of the main things that bothered me just was that the main character, of course, Hercule. Poirot, sure. Um, just... He doesn't have that magnetism. Or Kenneth Branagh's performance just doesn't have that magnetism of, say, like, Benedict Cumberbatch in Sherlock. Mm-hmm. That's a high bar. It is, but if you're gonna be one of these, your stereotypical, you know, a uh, world famous detective kind of character, you have to have some kind of, uh-huh. some kind of magnetic quality. So I watched that, and it was perfectly entertaining. And then I watched um, Super Eight for what I believe to be the second time, but I couldn't really remember it all that well. Um, and it is—it's a really fun movie. It's uh, about these kids who are making a movie. Um, they're, you know, making it very... It's a very Mickey Mouse, you know, jerry-rigged, corny movie about, like, this zombie attack. It's set in maybe the 70s or the 80s or so, and, uh, they're trying to make this movie, and they inadvertently film, and it's in, like, some of the first scenes of the movie. And then, of course, it's playing in this, uh, in this, uh, preview. They inadvertently film this big train crash, and... Something escapes from the wreckage of the train, and I will just, you know, I'll kind of leave you there for, for that. Where are you going, sir? I just
1: want to blow my nose. Okay.
0: Oh, so yeah, I, I watched those two, and I'm pretty sure oh, I watched Kingsman the Golden Circle, uh, which was awful. I would encourage everybody wholeheartedly to completely avoid it and leave it nasty reviews. It's just lame and uh lacked really any and all stress and when a movie is so jam-packed with flair like this movie is it just becomes inane after a while and you just stop noticing how flashy it's being Mm -hmm. you know Uh, that being said like you know the first one had that um, classic fight scene with uh, what's that actor's name Colin Firth the Colin Firth fight scene in the church, yeah, where it's like the one long tracking shot, and there's some excellent rock music playing, and he just bashes about seventy people's heads in, and uh, it's amazing because it stands out from the rest of the movie. Well, in this movie, the entire thing is that, and Elton John has a really irritatingly persistent cameo in this movie as Elton John, as Elton John, That's and a weird. he is so terrible. It's like it's like they just went like, you know, oh, the director just was like, I'm a big Elton John fan. Now that I've directed a couple successful movies, let's see if we can get him in mind. Oh, there he is. You know, do you want to take an acting class, Elton? No, you're Elton John? Okay, well, you know, just show up. I'm sure you'll be great. I'm sure you'll be... You know what? Just do your thing. Do your thing. Whatever you want. Ad-lib, whatever. Elton John has the acting skills of like... A pork chop. No. I was going to say of like a... Primary school play, like he's just and he's played for like comedic laughs and he's yeah, it, it was brutal. Anyway, we're twelve minutes in. It's time to rock and roll. I hope you're not
1: going to keep all of that preamble in. Oh yeah, that's like three minutes of it nothing. It was so funny though. It's like three minutes of me. It's podcast gold. Is it? It I is. Feel like podcast gold has more sound
0: than that. We were talking. Trust me. I guess I was saying stuff. I did a rap.
1: A rap? I did a rap? I don't remember that. It was about songbirds. I don't remember that. You did? Yes. I didn't.
0: (laughs) I tried. I was. I desperately want to add the call out element to this show. Because I think that that's hilarious and it would be super fun. Call out? Oh, Um, where we call people? Yeah. Um, well, okay, here we go. You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership, and that is the only arts podcast that offers uh, reviews on film, music, gaming, literature, and
1: Arabian Chargers.
0: Okay, I am Grant, and this is my brother Jason. Hello. Jason, today... Oh my. Okay, today we're talking about um, the 2016? 2017? 2017 uh, independent movie, The Florida Project. Wikipedia says The Florida Project is a 2017 American slice of life drama directed by Sean Baker and written by Baker and Chris Burgot. Burgot? I don't know. It stars Willem Dafoe, Brooklyn Prince, Bria Vinate. Vin, I don't, know. I don't know. Valeria Cotto, Christopher Rivera, and Caleb Landry Jones. It was the first film appearance of many of the cast. The plot follows a six year old girl living with her rebellious single mother in a motel in Kissimmee, Florida, as they try to stay out of trouble and make ends meet, so they may keep ahead of impending homelessness. The misery and squalor of their life in Kissimmee is contrasted with nearby Walt Disney World which can be seen at a distance in one shot. <laughs> the Florida project refers both to their effort to stay fed and safe, a project and the original name of the theme park. Uh, the Florida project premiered in the director's fortnight section of the 2017 Cannes Film Festival and was theatrically released in the United States, October 6, 2017. The film was praised for its direction and acting particularly the performances of Prince and Defoe. It was chosen by both the National Board of Review and American Film Institute as one of the top 10 films of the year. Defoe earned Best Supporting Actor nominations at the Academy Awards, Golden Globe, SAG Awards, and BAFTA Awards. Prince won the Critics' Choice Movie
1: Award for Best Young Performer. Also, once you go into Brooklyn Prince's page real quick. I think she's Canadian. Is she? Yeah, I want to I check she's and She's cute see. enough to be Canadian. She is fantastic.
0: She is American.
1: Florida? oh, she had uh, in the interview. She had little earrings with Canadian flags on them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Brooklyn Prince began her career acting career at age two, appearing in print and screen advertisements for parenting, Chuck E. Cheese's, and Visit Orlando, among others. So she might be a Florida native. Probably. In 2017, she starred in the Florida Project, for which she received critical praise. She has since starred in the Lego Movie 2, the second part. And the Angry Birds movie, too.
1: <laughs> and she's also headlining an Apple series, Home Before Dark, which oh, is kind of right. interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting.
0: Okay, so Jason, uh, the Florida Project, for those of you who aren't familiar with my own podcasting habits, I religiously attend the Church of Wittertainment, uh, the, the Kermode and Mayo film review show. Hello to Jason uh, Isaacs. Hello to Jason Isaacs, um, on put on by the BBC. And... Uh, I was kind of uh, alerted to this movie when they reviewed it back in 2017. And they lauded it, praised it, and said it was fantastic. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I should check it out. And then I never did until Video Plus Movies and More. Or something something like that. It doesn't really matter. A video rental store in Stratford had a closing sale. I attended there with Hannah. And I walked away with the florida project on blu-ray um and you and i just sat down to watch it two a week ago today Uh uh-huh um for the first time both of us and uh we will talk now about what we thought i think
1: i watched um, it again since then too yes and i did twice now
0: i'm gonna guide this discussion a little bit just because jason now knows a lot more about this movie than i do um we'll cut to the chase it is a brilliant movie.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's is so much better than I expected. It's um a movie very seldom comes along and just smokes me like out of left field yeah. so much like that movie did. I can't I guess Beasts of No Nation. Yep. Yeah. Which we have not talked about on this show before. I don't think we have. No. Which was over a year ago was yeah. the last time I watched a movie with so such non-existent expectations and was just completely blown away.
0: Well, that's the thing, because so seldom now do you and I go to a thing, be it a book, a movie, an album, especially a game or a game, yeah, true, with no expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, It just doesn't really happen. The internet is partially to blame with just how easy it is to find uh, reviews and criticism of various... Uh, various pieces of media. It's really hard to avoid popular opinion on pretty much everything.
1: And so much so too that like I seek it out a lot of the time. If I want to go see a movie in theater, yeah, I'm like, this is three hours of my life and $15 or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to Google it to see if people like it first. I'm like, wow, this is getting great reviews. This movie's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah. And although I had heard great reviews, I... I didn't really have that high of expectations for it. So the, this movie opens with a bunch of kids, three kids, right? Mm-hmm. Opens with three kids, and they're at this motel. They're on the second story balcony, and they are spitting onto a lady's car. And the the kids are they're unruly. They're very terribly behaved. They're rude. They're annoying, and they're totally utterly captivating and charming and lovable and real so what can you tell me about the the kids I know that really none of them were professional actors as much as a 7 year old child can be a professional actor
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean I think that the characters are the greatest strength of this movie by far the Wikipedia entry called it a American slice of life film um, and I mean, I don't know, whatever. But I would, I would say that it's definitely a story that's largely defined by the characters rather than the plot. Love Although it. it definitely has a plot,
0: it has a plot, and it, the setting is also has a bearing too. So.
1: Yes. Although I would argue that the setting itself just acts like a character. It almost, is, yeah. you know? it It's is. so. Uh, it's also captivating. But yeah, the kids are perfect because they're very three dimensional and very lifelike as you know kids can often be adorable one minute and then like totally annoying the next or even while they're being misbehaved they're still kind of uh cute and lovable endearing yeah endearing exactly and these are great kids who just haven't really been raised super well but they have grit and independence and sass that was probably shown to them by their parents and a real humanity too, i think yeah um
0: that that word is really overused, I think, in terms of like an actor's performance, mm-hmm. but there is such a realism to the way that these kids act and talk amongst themselves and behave almost as if there are no cameras around at all, which of course is not the case because the camera work... In this movie is very beautiful. Mm
1: -hmm. Now do you think. With the kids. Do you think that part of the compelling performance. Is because there's a less. There's a very small gap. Between how kids act. Depending on their upbringing. You know like. The actors of these. Of these roles probably don't have to act. That differently than they would in real life. Kind of thing. Whereas the difference between. I mean (laughs) some affluent adult acting out some kind of like borderline homeless person is probably greater you know
0: yeah but like these especially uh brooklyn prince who's the lead i'd say i'd she's say the, the main sto- character yeah she is the main character and she's a little seven-year-old girl um with her single mother and i mean if she's if she's appearing in Chuck E. cheese adverts and stuff at age two i kind of doubt that her family's like you know hurting or trailer trash not not because I'm saying they got that sweet Chuck E. Cheese you know cash or whatever but just to be in that kind of sphere and entering your child in those kinds of um things I feel like that's more something that a stable household might endeavor to do I don't know maybe
1: that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is that Kids are... like Kids are be- kids universally? Yeah. Is kids, that what you're saying? Being oh, a yeah. kid is a universal thing. And so to for a kid to pretend that they're a kid is not really pretending at all.
0: No, but have you ever met a little... Well, I know you have, but hypothetically, you know, you meet a little kid for the first time. They clam right up. Most mm. of them do anyway. Yeah, And so just the fact that you can get kids, young kids, to be this natural... And this funny and this this loose and relaxed. It's completely on camera for sure. Is amazing, and I wonder what
1: kind of if they if they shot from a greater distance. No, they. I mean, as we know, and as we'll talk about uh, segueing into the cinematography, they used mostly super wide angle. We were yeah. talking about that during the movie. Mm-hmm. You can really see the distortion from that big time. Um, and so watching a lot of the behind-the-scenes footage, I mean, they have the camera, like, from me to you away or closer, you know, like, yeah. two, three feet away from the actors, especially in a lot of shots where they're shooting singles. It's, like, yeah. really close. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. And, and, yeah, so that is... And and do you know how much of this... How much of the script, specifically for the kids, was
1: written? Um, I saw some scenes where... So basically what they do is... They would have somebody off camera, and they'd be telling the kids their lines like as they were shooting, and then wow. the kid would kind of like echo what they were saying, <laughs> but then the kid would okay. add a bunch of stuff on. So like the one scene for sure that I saw was uh, Mooney at the buffet kind of thing in the the mid part of the movie kind of thing. Mooney
0: being the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Prince's Princess character, character. The, the, the main, main character, character movie. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so they'd be off camera like. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to... And the director would say, I'm going to put a strawberry and a raspberry in my mouth. And then she'd say it while they were filming kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they'd go back and forth like that. But then she'd add a ton of stuff. Like she... They said... uh, They said, like, uh, I could eat tons more food. And she said that. But then she ad-libbed the part, like I'm pregnant, I could fit food in there. Like she just...
0: like, where I, think do kids be- fit, I think I'd fit food in If I was pregnant and had a big stomach I, I could think fit I'd food put in there. food in there yeah. Like where would you come up with this stuff I as know. a kid it's, it's, un, it's crazy and you just And I think you're right In the sense that That imagination That a child just has Bursting out of them Yeah, They don't know when it's You know appropriate socially To be you know Exercising your imagination When you grow up and you go out into the world into the working world or whatever you you really have to you know save your imagination for like your private moments yeah you know which is such a su- such a just, weird construct just garbage it, i don't understand it but but that imagination is correlates i
1: guess sometimes the stars align and it works out very well in front of a camera oh, sure right but yeah i i think a decent amount of it was scripted and a decent amount was also ad lib but I just thought it was interesting that they were going line for line like that because I guess it's hard for a 7-year-old to memorize well, an yeah. entire movie script. You're not
0: going to give a 7-year-old, yeah, right. exactly, a script and then uh, So Sorry, I'm just texting Hannah. She's asking me about Friday. Dude.
1: Not the time.
0: Um Mhm. Moving on for the rest of the cast here. Okay. What did you think of. uh, What is her name? The. Bria Venate? Yeah, who plays. She plays um, Mooney, Brooklyn's mother, Mm -hmm. in this. She is a. Haley? Haley, right? Yeah. She has kind of dyed aqua blue hair. um, Tattoos. Tattoos, piercings. And uh, she is. She is a tough character to reconcile with Mm -hmm. because on one hand she's irresponsible you know uh she's got her daughter her only child eating lunchables and she spends money still on weed and alcohol and she goes to the club and this sort of thing and uh she's rude she sets a terrible example Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's so the moments of affection between her and her daughter Mooney are so tangible and vivid that um,
1: it almost it will overcome anything that she does in that yeah. moment, kind of thing. You yeah. know, you understand that she's not this evil character of a abusive or careless parent she loves her daughter and she wants she wants to do right by her but at the same time she she lacks education not just in the formal sense but just in the sense of how to live how to exist she lacks self control like you said she's like smoking weed and and drinking and stuff like that when they're just one moderately bad breakaway from homelessness all the time yeah and she's a really complex character and that's the thing i'll keep coming back to throughout this movie is that The characters are all three-dimensional they're not straight-up good straight-up evil it's a mixture and I think Haley is kind of playing the hand she's dealt but in a really sloppy fashion and at times you get really sick of her and you see other characters on the screen especially Willem Dafoe's character get fed up with her and get into shouting matches and stuff like that but at the end of the day you understand that she wants to do right by her kid and she's trying and she's kind of doing the best she can. You know, I mean, she's in her early twenties and her kid's seven years old. Like she would have had her kid when she was like 15, 16 mm-hmm. and clearly had no opportunity to build any sort of life for them. Right. Yeah. So I don't, you're sympathetic, but at the same time kind of resentful. Yeah, It's a weird relationship. Um, so the, I guess the other
0: really relevant character Kind of rounding out this trio would be Willem Dafoe's character, and what's his name? Bobby. Bobby, and Bobby is the superintendent. Yeah, manager, whatever. Manager, whatever of the hotel at which they live, the and just kind of. And I really, I I assume they probably got because Willem Defoe's is just an odd odd pick. Mm-hmm. I assume they probably got him a little bit for his star power, a little bit so that his name could be on the poster and that would make their movie that much more marketable. But um, he really, really does a great job. And it's so cool to see a movie like this, in my opinion, where you've got a Hollywood star like Mm -hmm. Willem Dafoe, an acclaimed actor, working alongside people who have never acted before. And that must have been kind of like a boot camp for them. But uh, his character is maybe the most ordinary i don't know like, about that one of the, he's he's a kind man you know by nature but, but he has his
1: limits he's curmudgeonly and he's, he's just tired out yeah that's the that's his i would say n- number one or number two character trait is he's just exhausted right yeah. he's worked to the bone all the time and he's yeah. doing the best he can
0: yeah he really is and uh and i i found his character Really, really delightful and very, very human. I don't even know how you act something that's this... It really felt to me like Bobby was just a
1: dude going about his day, mm-hmm. doing yeah. his job. And he's he's an interesting character too because he clearly cares about the residents and he's trying to... Very much so, Trying so. Yeah. to help them out and yeah. trying to be as lenient as he really can in terms of having, allowing them to pay I guess, late.
0: I guess we haven't really like explained the we should have led with the, this the wikipedia page talked about it, but the not really though the the hotel or the motel or whatever at which they stay is almost entirely full of like welfare uh people subsisting off of welfare mm-hmm. and they live essentially out of the hotel rooms and they can only stay there for what is it like it's a month
1: one night a month you have to be somewhere else
0: yeah one night a month you have to be somewhere else so they ha- they work out a deal with the motel like across the way where they get a discount rate for all these folks mm-hmm. that Bobby sends over there for one night out of every month and then they move back to their room and, you know, have another month there. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the hotel that, which Bobby manages and there's a lot of rough people and there's a lot of fights and a lot of uh, erratic kind of behavior. I yes, guess.
1: definitely. It's a... It's a really shady place full of desperate people. Yeah. But
0: what what did you think of Willem Dafoe in the movie? Did it take you out of the movie? Never.
1: Not really, no. I mean, yeah, he's he's always trying to strike the balance of caring about the people and doing what's right by them, but also doing his job, doing his duty, which is basically to be the bad guy, you know, to demand yeah. rent, kick people out of their room if they're misbehaving. um, yeah try to try to work with what he's got which is just a whole bunch of broke people who can hardly ever pay basically um and yeah i think he did a great job and yeah like you said really humanizing i really respect how well he rolled with some of the uh pun- punches in terms of the improv moments like that moment with the cranes they just like showed up yeah so they're like oh we'll try and shoot something <laughs> with this there's just a an inconsequential scene of Willem Dafoe's character Shooing some cranes Away from Like storks Like yeah. birds Not not Destruction not cranes not, yeah, no. Some some birds Away from The motel And yeah He just does a Great job And just seems like A guy Like you said
0: It's just so far Away from Any Anything else I've ever seen him in And you just Don't see many actors Especially of his caliber Who Play the role Of an ordinary dude Mm-hmm. Yeah And I found that to be, he was just written so well, and I found it to be immensely refreshing. So let's move on then to the visuals, I guess. Yeah. Uh, The visuals uh, I wrote down here are ice cream vibrant. Uh, Purple walls of the hotel, white banisters with towels thrown over them. You got bikes leaning Mm -hmm. up. Everything is, it's Florida, so everything is very sun-soaked. And kind of saturated, saturated, bright colors everywhere. And Mooney herself wears some uh, bright kind of outfits and whatnot. So what were your thoughts on... Oh, and the, the camera work, like we said, a lot of it's wide angle. A lot of fixed camera work. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, A lot of fixed shots where the camera's not really moving around and tracking. And uh, in my opinion, some really, really classy... And still beautiful and elegant kind of cinematography.
1: Yeah, understated, right? Yeah. And yeah, class is a good word for it. Yeah, it's ex- excellently executed. I mean, to do this on such a small budget, we should mention the whole budget of the film was $2 million, yeah. which is like peanuts. Yeah, that's Embrace of the Serpent. Yeah, that's Embrace of the Serpent money. Yeah. Um, and Embrace the Serpent quality, I would and, say. And Embrace of the Serpent had to go to, like, South South yeah. America and shoot in jungles. Yeah, true, true. But this was shot pretty much all on Panavision um, film cameras. Yep. And then pickups and odds and then shot with iPhone and a little bit of other digital stuff thrown in, I think. Yep. And they blend it together so well. A lot of this is shot at midday, and it feels very very saturated but there's also something that feels very bleached and uncomfortably like warm and humid it's they very very summery um yeah and not in a really romantic way most of the time more no. in like a. there are scenes like there's a scene where they're hitchhiking and it's this beautiful sunset but for the most part i think it feels sweaty but it reminds me
0: of well i guess it reminds me of those long hot summer days when you were a kid Running around with your friends. I guess that's true. And just kind of, you weren't really sure what you were going to do that day. But hey, a day is super long when you're a kid. Yeah. And you can do all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, the wide angle lenses, I think, give it a really humanizing feel and make you, f- it really draws you into the experience. And I think they did a lot of really clever stuff with the panning. I was watching behind the scenes how they shot some of the scenes. There's a scene where a character throws up into a toilet. And basically they were uh, on the left side of the room, the camera. On the right side of the room, the actor put a big mouthful of water in their mouth. Then ran and they like cross-panned into the bathroom. The actor looked like they are vomiting, but it's just water. And yep. then they instantly like panned away again. So it looked really convincing. Yep. Um, there's another scene can't really spoil this one i don't know um there's another scene where someone's hitting somebody else mm-hmm. and what they did was as the person runs over and kind of tackles the other person down they like whipped a big like cushion up between the two of them so that they could like beat and make it look really convincing that the person wouldn't get hurt that so the the person the, the on the ground can... as they fell down they like yeah, grabbed this cushion, this cushion and cushion. put it in front of them and the scene was such that you couldn't see the person you could yeah. just see the individual on top who is like beating yeah is this, so yeah. they did a lot of clever stuff that, like that
0: that was the the movie is not a violent movie at all but that there's one the scene was gut-wrenching that one scene of like brutal violence mm-hmm. and it's yeah. it, it's whew, and that's kind of how this movie operates the uh the emotions and the and the tension and the sadness are all very much kind of Held beneath the surface by the characters, Mm -hmm. and then there are just two or three moments where real breaking points where it just can't be held in any longer, and it's that control, that control of the story that I think is really, really amazing and really beautiful, and part of what makes this movie so, so emotionally affecting.
1: So let's talk about the whole tenor of the movie and like the mood. Yeah, we can. Um, it's incredibly funny it's really a genuinely funny movie especially just the things the kids say and uh, the way they act and the stuff they get up to is so um, so convincing for just dumb stuff kids say or funny stuff kids say and that really provides a lot of charm for the movie. Again and again and again, The Little Rascals are cited as like the by far the biggest influence for this movie. Hmm. Because The Little Rascals was a bunch of kids running around, getting up to mischief during the Great Depression, when everybody was poor, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> and so this, in a lot of ways, is kind of similar to that, except it's a little bit darker. And just because the whole idea of motel communities which is very much a real thing in real life a lot of people don't know about whereas the great depression was kind of unifying in the fact that most people had nothing um, or had very little but yeah it's it's very funny it's very overwhelmingly sad just because you're aware that this is a situation that proves to be inescapable for most people and these sweet precious kids who you really grow attached to and really grow fond of you're aware of the fact that they're growing up trapped in the system and they'll probably end up just like the older people you see in the movie who you may not resent per se but you wouldn't really want to
0: hang out with them well no no you know they're they're more or less just degenerates
1: yeah and degenerates made by the system kind of thing well and
0: yeah they're they are trapped in in
1: the system and and it's not not really their fault but at the same time it it is what it is and it's a really difficult concept to grapple with well it's
0: for yeah for you and I who have Mm -hmm. never had a brush with real poverty at all Mm -hmm. in our lives and
1: probably never will uh, not like we've never talked to poor people like we've never been yeah we've, never, yeah, we've never been... I just want to make that clear. Yeah, it's not like know, I've never yeah. talked yeah. to a poor person. I don't
0: know any poor yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> but we will most likely never be eking by and right. searching for scraps and that sort of thing. One bad but, breakaway uh, from homelessness is what this whole movie is. Yeah, but yeah, uh, you, you really do get trapped in that perpetual uh, cycle of just trying to stay afloat. And it's not even the equation of getting ahead is kind of an impossible one for mm. you at that point because you're you're just stuck treading water for who knows how long.
1: Best case scenario you stay in that motel basically. Yeah.
0: Or best case scenario you get a job working in a fast food restaurant or at a grocery store or something mm. like that and you can make a little bit of scratch just to just to maybe afford a real apartment or something
1: like that. It's uh it's a chilling movie and it that's is. But at the same time, even though it doesn't make sense empirically, I think emotionally the prevailing feeling for me was the joy of childhood. And yeah, the joy of summer. You're absolutely right about that. And even though when you think about it logically, the uh, depressing sadness of the, their impoverished state seems a little bit more dominant. Yeah. I think the way the movie pitches it, you come come across realizing that the power of... A child's imagination and positivity and uh, belief that it'll all work out in the end are what kind of triumph. Yeah, and ultimately, I don't really know that it's a sad movie.
0: Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't know. the The ending is really open to interpretation, and the film filmmakers said that that's what they intended. Um, it, it is incredibly bittersweet. It's about the kind of oblivious and uh reckless joy of children even when surrounded by very bleak and very dire conditions it's about a mother's love for her child it's about poverty uh it really is a movie though that is held together by love yeah uh definitely. and 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 not at all in a corny or or um Hallmark kind of way it's very very real it's very tangible you can see it happening you know and it's yeah what what a movie man what a movie um
1: do you have any closing thoughts anything you'd like to add? I would say everybody should watch this movie i it has a decent amount of language I would say it's not really for kids. Um, At all? No. Both in, just in terms of the language, but also just the the subject matter. Yeah. But for anybody who's like 14 years old and older, I feel like would benefit from seeing this movie. Absolutely. Um, it's beautiful. It's fun. It's sad. It's compelling. Um, I can't, I feel like I need to sit with a movie for a long time before I can really make a statement about its quality in a grand sense. In a sense, grand context, In yeah. a grand context. But I think there is great potential for this to be one of my top 10, certainly, favorite movies of all yeah. time so far. I mean, yeah. it's it's just peerless. So probably we'll have to revisit this in some way at a later date, and we can talk about it further. But I think there's great potential for this to be one of my favorite movies ever.
0: Yeah, and it's, it is... Uh, it's hard, too, because it is such a wonderful movie. My taste in movies is often more towards the stylistic side of things, I suppose. I think of a movie like Punch Drunk Love, oh, which is a very it's so a powerful movie in its own right, but it's incredibly quirky, it's incredibly stylized, and it's incredibly weird as well. Or I think of Apocalypse Now, which is not really a movie for emotions. Emotions don't really play a part in that movie. Um I <sighs> Embrace of the Serpent as well. There's emotion in Embrace of the Serpent, mm. but uh yeah, it's it's tough because this is such a gut punch of a movie that it is it is undeniably effective, but it leaves me with such a sadness. And it's a such bit a, melancholic but it's I very think it's, melancholic I don't
1: think it's overwhelmingly depressing because I yeah. think there's also a theme of hope in there no it's, but it's I guess what I'm saying is it's so
0: emotionally potent mm-hmm. at, so as to be one of those movies that I will not be able to watch very many times I don't think mm. just just knowing what you're entering and knowing how it how it all plays out it's it's one of those things where the potency is perhaps somewhat diminished with subsequent viewings i don't think so like i mean i'm not saying that you watch it like 12 times and then you're like yeah whatever i'm totally over this you'd still but but it's just one of those things it's yeah it's potent it's very potent and
1: uh and very powerful and maybe i do just need more time to process it we should do. Sometimes we should talk about our favorite movies ever because I always like to try to make a list in my mind. Oh, and it's like hard. it's like uh em- Embrace the Serpent, Apocalypse Now, Punch-Drunk Love, La La Land. Honestly, Nightcrawler's up there for me. Um that's 4. The Green Mile is really amazing. There's so there's so many, but those are those are a few. Rango, Rango. Claddio
0: with a Chance of Meatballs up anyway we hope you enjoyed so- this yep and go watch the florida
1: project is it yeah. on netflix
0: oh uh, let's check real quick canadian netflix mind you um it's probably on disney plus <laughs> probably not that was a joke
1: that's how i said this internet's Slow, dude. Yeah, you're just accustomed to your soft uh, life. Florida, you fat project. baby.
0: It is not titles related to the Florida Project, Black, Black Mirror. Mirror. <laughs> Black I like how. Look at how many of these are Netflix originals.
1: Yeah, they're juicing it somehow. I know. I don't the like first it at all. Two, four, six, eight, ten are all Netflix originals. Yeah. Anyways
0: anyway enough about ranting about netflix uh this movie is fantastic you really gotta watch it Mm -hmm. thanks a whole lot if you do watch it and you want to let us know what you thought shoot us a message on instagram shoot us a message on facebook shoot us an email at thegoodshipbrothership at gmail.com whatever you got to do just get it to us somehow we love you peace out goodbye
1: Bye.